of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast, Season 2, Episode 9. Yay! I'm Matt. I'm Matt, and with us today we have Jillian, Kristen, and Susan. Everybody say hello. Hello! All right. And also, with us today, we have our very special guest, Nina Shirley, from the Dirt Academy right here in Jupiter Farms. Hello, Nina. Hey, how are ya? Oh, we're excellent. I want to thank you for being with us. So to give everybody a little bit of your background. Now, now you are a Jupiter girl, right? You were, you were, I don't know if you were born and raised here, but you were, for the most part, you were raised here, right? Yeah. Awesome. I was born and raised here my whole life. So, so you went to Jupiter High. You went to the environmental program at Jupiter High. You were the president of the bird watching club. That, you really uh, did that do had, your research. Oh, I, I absolutely oh. did my research. Yeah, I was up early tonight. Um, and and you you were so you were in that environmental program, Florida ecology, native wildlife, organic farming, and then you went up to Lipscomb University in Nashville. What did you major in there? Up there, I studied environmental science and sustainability. Yeah, we covered a lot. And and you recently have come to Jupiter Farms. You're not like an old resident, 30 years, blah, blah, blah. You you came back here for a purpose. And what was that? Yeah, we moved home. Um, I say we, my husband, Brendan, and I moved back to Jupiter uh, for me a year and a half ago. He has never lived here before, but always wanted to live somewhere with palm trees. So that was an easy an easy one for me to convince him to get here. Um, so yeah, I was up in Nashville for seven years, loved it, fell in love with the organic agriculture world because they're a few years ahead of us up there, and then brought that with me back down here to kind of be part of the local food movement and growing food at home. Right, so let's talk about the Dirt Academy. Um, mm-hmm. This is, this is your, 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 your baby. Tell us a little bit about the Dirt Academy. Yeah, so I started the Dirt Academy We were jumping around the world. It was awesome. We were gone usually five days a week. And then I would work on local farms outside of Nashville that two days a week that we were home. But I really wanted to spend more time uh, helping friends start gardens. I started helping clients start gardens, getting paid for that kind of work. And then um, jumped into the Dirt Academy, which is an online education platform. It's like an online course. So I wrote this course, everything you could possibly need to know on how to build a garden at home, grow your own food, deal with the bugs, deal with the challenges that come along with that to be able to get maximum harvest. So I could do that work from anywhere that we were traveling. And then we quit the band to move back down here and start a family, start a farm, do all the things that I've wanted to do in the back of my head for a long time. We have chickens, cows, all that kind of thing. And we've started living the dream here in Jupiter Farms. I grew up in town, so I had never lived out here before. Um, but it's awesome. We have fell in love with it pretty quickly for all of its quirks. It's many, many quirks. You, what are, you, are you saying that Jupiter Farms has some, has some quirks? Really? Hey, hey, hey. We're, we're on Rocky Pines Road, which if you listen to this. Say podcast, no more. <laughs> <laughs> We live directly between the two most controversial properties, maybe in town. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked you you picked well. So so th- I mean, this is great. I mean, I I am uh, I see your Instagram all the time, and I see what what you post, and it really truly looks idyllic. Uh, first of all, you you take 
some beautiful photographs, but, you know, just seeing the stuff that you're posting and the stuff that you do is amazing. And I know I realize that Dirt Academy is primarily online. And I I would assume that part of that right now is the necessitation because of COVID, Mm -hmm. but what you're doing on property, it just looks gorgeous. What a place to be able to wake up and and go to sleep to every night. Um, No, thank you. Summer camp. Like, uh, I don't want to leave, you know, it's um, year round, just spending time outside. Uh, Actually, when we were looking at the property about two years ago, um, we were out of town, but my parents knocked on the door and uh, an old friend answered the door. So we've known the people that lived on the property before us since I was in middle school or maybe before that. So it was a really cool transition to go from friends that we knew. They were really sad to have to sell the farm, um, but they just couldn't keep up with it anymore. They were getting a little bit older. And so we were able to take it and say, we're going to take care. We're going to bring it back to life. We're going to get all the animals back. We're going to build gardens. So the property feels special in that way that um, we kind of know some of the history and the kids of that family still come skimboard in our swale. It rains a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, yeah, that's the farms. Yeah. Um, so someone like me, I have two thumbs. I don't, they're, they're certainly not green. If I wanted to, I mean, you know, it's so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And where where does one start? If if you were to give advice to our residents out here, what's what's a good kind of piece that we can bite off and manage? Because I think a lot of people decide, hey, I'm going to do this big grand scale thing, and it just doesn't work out, and they get kind of you know a little yeah. sullen about that. Yeah, I would say starting small is the best way to start, no matter where you live. And for Floridians, we're a little bit backwards than the traditional farming uh, culture of plant in the spring, grow in the summer, get your fall harvest like the rest of the country. So up in Nashville where I grew before and most of the rest of the country, you plant in the early spring when there's still that risk of frost. We don't even know what that means here. And then you grow all summer and then you harvest late summer into the fall. If you're lucky, you kind of extend your season into the winter. But here in South Florida, we have a completely opposite season. So our farmers markets run a different calendar. Our planting seasons are totally different. And our off season is the summer because who in their right mind would want to be outside right now, right? right? So we are planting seasons coming up. And in September, October, November is the right weather. Even though it's still really hot, we can be planting seeds and babying the transplants. You know, when you buy your tomato plants, your pepper plants at the Uh, store or at the farmer's market. Um, We're planting everything right now. And then through the winter season, when it's perfect outside, glorious weather, that's when you're tending to the gardens and managing that. Um, And then next summer, once it starts getting hot again, that's when plants start pooping out. So for us, knowing that our season is much different than your kind of classic farmer that you think of that plants in the spring is a good place to start. And then starting small is what I Um, tell everyone because you don't need to do 16 different veggies that you eat all in your first garden. It's way easier to pick two or three plant vegetables or fruits or things that you eat most um, and focus on that. So if you're a veggie eater, you love your salads, do lettuce or kale and tomatoes and onions. If you love your smoothies, you can try um, 
your greens, some herbs maybe, plant a fruit tree to get your mangoes or your Barbados cherries, which is like a tropical cherry that's really delicious. Um, if you're a tea drinker, grow some herbs. You know, you don't have to do everything that you see on the shelves when you go to buy your transplants. Just right. pick two or three things and start small. Um, and then local resources are the best because you can ask the people that you're getting your lumber, your soil, your compost, your fertilizers from tips. Um, and that makes it easier to uh, be headed in the right direction. So for the Dirt Academy, a lot of my content is online. Like what you said, um, if uh, you actually buy the course, then all of that content is in videos. But lately, um, I've been doing many, many more garden installs in people's backyards. So you could just forget everything I'm saying and hire my crew and we do it for you. <laughs> That's much That's easier. awesome. Yeah. So, so you, come, you would come in and you would make the beds and not make the beds, but build, make the beds. Right. Build the, the construction, the carpentry. Yeah. So we would bring the lumber, the soil, if you want to do a gravel base to make it beautiful, a fire pit, uh, string lights. We do the whole, the whole bit. Wow. Because I love building garden spaces that uh, my clients want to be in. You know, if you right. build so that it's beautiful, comfortable, interesting, like close to your back porch, it's something that you're much more likely to spend time in and use the food that you're growing than if you tuck it in the back property line or on the side of the house next to the AC unit. So. <laughs> right. Now, Susan, you, you've lived here all your life, and I know you do a fair amount of growing. Um, what are your favorites, and, and where do you start? Um, I have lived here a long time, and it's fun because uh, the life that Nina's building is the basically the life that I lived because I grew up here in the farms, and we had the big organic garden, and we had cows and pigs and chickens. Nice. Um and so that it's it's nice to see that continuing on um my garden right now i just picked about five pounds of uh um cowpeas yes um saturday so there are a couple things that you can grow in the middle of the summer mm -hmm. um southern peas and okra are the two tops i think if you really want vegetables so um that's what i'm doing not just because it's the thing you can grow in the summer but my garden went through a transformation because we had to bring in some fill to raise the level. So, of course, all of the fill material is very, very poor dirt. And so I'm having to rebuild all of the goodies in the soil that make it so that everything can grow. So the first thing I did was put a green manure on, which is southern peas, put your legumes on so that it can build some nitrogen in the soil. Yeah. So that idea of the fertility is so important for us because most of our soil in our backyard is white beach sand and you need that organic matter and that rich compost nutrients to be able to provide the strength for the plants to grow to produce the food. So that green manure of planting like cover crops or your neighbor with horses in the big old manure pile, <laughs> you can use that. So that's a smart way of going about it. That's awesome. And there's easy places to get that from out here too. I mean, there, there, there are people that really want to get their manure out of their property and not mm -hmm. store it. And if you plan on, you know, doing something like this, you can say, Hey, bring it here and, and dump yeah. that truck over here and, and that'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Note is that it's best to compost it first 
uh, because if you put straight manure, depending on what type it is, it can burn the plants. But if you compost it or if you dig into the middle of your neighbor's manure pile and get it from there where it's broken down into soil already, that's the best kind of stuff that you can add to your garden. Right. You and don't want you don't want lines. it while it's still actually steaming. <laughs> it will <laughs> it will it will cook your seeds. <laughs> um that's that's cool and and i you know one of the things that i take to heart is where you said grow the things that you eat because i have so many friends that are just like here you want some of this i'm like why he goes well we don't eat it i'm like well why do you grow it then if you don't eat it uh but you know i i guess you know and certain people seem to be more successful with certain crops um i mean i know i have my fruit trees because they're kind of easy yeah what fruit trees do you have uh, I have a couple of different types of mangoes. I've got Barbados cherry. Um, I have uh, some citrus, lemon, lime, uh, honey bell oranges. Um, there's bananas. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff, but I don't eat a lot of that stuff. Oh, well, you're that guy then that you just. <laughs> yeah, I, but I just dig the holes. So I'm, I'm not the person who makes any of the choices. <laughs> eat your you bananas, go. Matt. Eat your bananas. bananas. Yes. How come I've never been offered Barbados cherries from you? Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I think the birds get to the Barbados cherries far before I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't seen them and they're now getting a little shaded by some of the other stuff. And that's, that's the thing I think where I made a lot of my mistakes or we made a lot of the mistakes was not realizing what things would look like in two, four, six years, especially when it comes to the fruit trees, you know, um, it's, and, it, and, you know, you go in there well-intentioned saying, Oh, I'm going to keep this mango tree nice and small. Like you see at places like truly tropical, you know, where they're out there every day pruning and, and tending to it. Um, you know, all of a sudden you hear a big, huge thump at the end of the night and well, it's because they're 30, they're falling 30 feet and that mango is no good anymore. We also have avocados this year. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Have you tried the bat trick? I'm sorry. <laughs> I am very curious about this. Um, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Um, uh, I, I, I did it on uh, my key lime tree. Uh, key lime tree did not fruit for like five years. And somebody told me, go get a wiffle ball bat, beat the crap out of the tree, put it under stress. And the next year, we absolutely got a really nice crop of, of key limes. Um, okay. The Trinidadians also do the, the like the rusty nail trick where you like you take a, a spike and just drive it into a mango tree if it's not producing. And I guess it puts it under stress. And I don't know. Uh, I've yeah. never done that. Everything that we've planted is still young. It's only three or four years old. And then we've had it in the ground for two or so years. But we have this huge mango tree in the backyard that's never produced. And so to add the compost and the fertilizer and the bat is my next, that's my next go. I think that. Has it flowered? What it needs. Uh, yeah, it flowered last year a little bit, but it was weak. I could just tell it was small. So for our chickens, we have a hundred foot electric fence that I keep around the coop that's on a trailer. Some people call it a chicken tractor or chicken mobile and we move it around the property. So there's not chickens just everywhere that are getting picked off by hawks because our neighbors have a hard time keeping chickens alive. Um, I'm actually surprised, knock on wood, we haven't lost any except for the rooster that we intentionally got rid of, right? Um, rooster, rooster. So, David, could I say cock on this podcast? She talked about a rooster. Yes, you can. Yes. That's awesome. Sweet. I just like to try to push the boundaries every, every 
you know, so often. Once per episode. No, yeah. no, no. More than that. More than that. Um, so anyway, we tracked our chickens around and we put them around that mango tree a few times. And that tree has probably tripled in size in one year because the chickens pecked around. They got rid of the bad bugs. They added fertilizer, kind of tilled the soil, so to speak, right around the base of the tree and kind of freshened it up. So the tree's huge, but we just haven't gotten any fruit. So I'm going to get a wiffle ball bat on my way home. There you go. I think I might have one around. I can, I can bring it to you. So, um, Kristen, what do you grow? I have been reluctant to do anything since I was working so far away from the house. Um, and not having, so you should probably get Nina to come in. I should. This is, you know, throw in, throw in some beds some gravel, some fire pits and start reaping the benefits. I could use her help for sure. So that might be coming down the pipe. Love it. I would love to, uh, grow a handful of things that we could use for salads and or green beans. My neighbor behind me grows green beans um, that she's been pretty successful with. I think it's the only thing that she grows, but they always sound like they're good. She takes pictures of them, puts them on Facebook and there you go. Green beans are a great, easy thing to grow, especially with kids. But again, remember it's not yeah. a summer crop down here, even just regular, Green beans are not something you grow in the summer down here. And, and what about you, Jillian? What are you growing? Uh, well, after seeing this gorgeous farm table in the middle of Nina's garden a while back, um, I think Nina should just move in with me. Whoa, I think that's a different podcast. No, I think we're going, I think, I think our standards and practices, David's probably going to nix that one. David, what about you? What do you grow? We have a number of fruit trees here. Yeah, whatever. Um, and we have an old uh, square plot of land that used to have uh, tomatoes on it, but uh, they got eaten by the um, the animal life. Yeah, tomato the tomato-eating um, beasts. I'm yeah. really good at growing Everglades tomatoes because I can ignore them. I love them too. Those are good. They're That's so good. one of the few things They're I eat. So, okay, so, so Nina, we've gotten... There, there's like charts online that will tell you here in South Florida, here's when to, to put in crop A, B, or C, and here's when you, you should be able to harvest it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I get my dirt. Maybe I get the Dirt Academy to come in, but I want to do some of it myself. Mm -hmm. um, where do you buy your seeds? Or do you do seeds? Do you do seedlings? Do you go to Home Depot? Probably. Yeah, let's do uh, local Jupiter Farms resources where you can get everything. Okay. Um, I love supporting our neighborhood and on our road, there's uh, two nurseries that have a lot of what I use. So, um, has amazing soil that you can get the vegetable mix. Um, you can get your compost there and either pick it up in a truck or, um, yeah, you can order it by the yard or I believe they have it in bags if it's just a much smaller garden. Um, and then they have all kinds of different flowers. I haven't seen them have the vegetable transplants like what you're talking about or seeds, but um, there's also Bond Garden Nursery at the end of our road if you go all the way to the end, the dead end, and they have awesome fruit trees. That's where I get all my fruit trees. Um, I'm sure you guys all have different resources for those sorts of things, but no, but I love the fact that you brought up that these are, you know, Jupiter farms resources that we can have. And I didn't, I, you know, I go over to Harry's place uh, a couple of times a year. I didn't even know that he had the compost. That's great to know. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've used it um, 
all last season I used his and some of the plants shot up. Um, I can always tell by how quickly a seed sprouts and grows um, by, because everything is in the soil. The soil is what matters um, for how strong your plants are. So his is great. And then there's, I mean, there's many, many other nurseries in Jupiter. Now is that, you just talked about soil. Is that the reason why raised beds are better for things like vegetables? Because, you know, I mean, where I come from up North, you know, mom used to go buy cucumber seedlings or, you know, whatever, and put them right in the ground, but Mm -hmm. we had a different type of soil. So is that something that is better because you can control it when it's in a raised bed? Yeah. Raised beds standardizes your growing conditions. So if, you have really sandy soils like we do here. It You get to start with a really high level of organic matter in the soil, like something for the seeds to grow from. And then up north where you might have clay soils um, and they're too tough, you can do raised beds and that kind of neutralizes the, the system. And then also here, especially in Jupiter Farms with flooding, uh, when it rains, um, like early or late in the season, if you have your plants in raised beds, they might get beat up by the rain. Like the plants themselves might topple over. You might have to prop them back up, but at least the roots aren't going to be sitting in such deep water um, because not all vegetable plants are tolerant of really wet conditions like that. So just depending on what you want to grow, if you want to grow some of the more like tender greens or, um, plants that might be susceptible to fungus or powdery mildew, then having them raised up a little bit for our climate and weather conditions helps a lot. And then on that note, the raised beds are also, also help with the critters getting to your stuff, especially if you're going to do any kind of greens um, or like radishes or onions. I had all of my little sprouts eaten this summer because I have critters. The bunnies especially, um, they surprisingly don't even look up into the raised beds half the time. And mine are only 16 inches right. tall, which they're beautiful. They're, they're pretty tall. I've had bunnies raise baby bunnies in my cucumbers this past year, but I didn't mind that because it was pretty cute. Do you have watering systems in your, uh, your raised beds or do you go out and water or do you just rely on natural, you know, mother nature? I went all out for ours because we're going to live on this property for a long, long time. And I wanted our garden to be kind of the prime example of the work that I can do with all the different features. So we have drip irrigation in our beds and that helps. So it runs from seven to seven thirty every morning and there's bubblers on the fruit trees. There's drip line in the raised beds because when I water our garden by hand, it's pretty large. It takes an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. So to know that, that, that every single morning, everything's getting a good drink, things grow so much better. So you don't have to do a full PVC system. There are um, drip line systems that you can attach to a hose spigot if your garden's close to your house. Um, with an automatic timer, all that you can get at Home Depot. But having irrigation every day helps a lot. You don't have to, if the weather's really nice, you can maybe skip a day if your soil is not too sandy, but having water is critical for maintaining a regular schedule for your watering. I know that that's one of the things that they told us about our mango trees, because we have several and some years, some bloom and some years, some don't. And Mm -hmm. uh, a professional has said, listen, once, once they actually set fruit, they really should be getting 
water every day and a certain amount, but you can't necessarily always control that with, with mother nature. So, you know, some years, some are going to do better because they're just a little bit more resilient to getting pounded by rain or not. You know? mm -hmm. So, um, so, uh, what, uh, what other questions, uh, do we have from the peanut gallery? Um, I have a question for you, Nina. Have you, I've recent, cause my soil and I don't have a raised bed where the, my particular mm -hmm. garden is and my soil is so poor. It, I mean, my, my soil is so poor that in one patch of it, even the, um, cowpeas didn't do well. I mean, that's <laughs> how icky the, the soil is. So I started looking at worms and have, have you ever played with worms and, and, and growing them and doing the yes. worm tea thing? It's the best I've ever used. So for cowpeas and legumes, since they're nitrogen fixers, which this might be a little sciencey, but, um, they don't do great with fertilizer. They don't always need it. But right. in general, worms are the best. Their poop is gold, and it's really expensive. <laughs> um, so yeah. either you can do your own vermicompost, and literally, this is what I do at home, drill holes in the side of a plastic tub from Walmart or whatever, and get a bunch of red wiggler worms from the bait shop. Put some soil, put some cardboard, put some newspaper, and put your kitchen scraps in it, and the worms will go crazy. And you can use that really black, rich dirt if you want to do it homemade. Or there's um, Melissa locally who has a business called Let It Rot, and she does amazing um, worm compost products. So compost teas. Um, she does a pickup system where you can leave your compost outside, and she uh, picks it up and turns it into soil for a service fee and um yeah i'm looking forward this season i'd love to reach out to her and go see her property um where she makes all that happen because it's dirty work but it's awesome it's the best that you can use um, as far as fertilizers go but yeah try it out have you used them before we well only naturally right you know when you when you have a good garden you should have some worms in there anyway and you just bolster their habits but um i haven't done the tub thing and i was i was looking into that earlier so i'm glad you mentioned that because i think it's a really cool thing i also think it'd be a really cool fun thing to do with kids right i mean if you have youngsters in the house they could start their own little worm farm and it's a really compact kind of system it's not going to take over so oh, totally to just google vermicompost simple setup. I'm sure there's plenty of resources to set it up in the easiest way possible. When I was in Nashville, I wanted to do that for myself and for my clients. I had the hardest time finding red wiggler worms because I'm from here. I know they're in every gas station that you stop in because the fishermen, but up there I had to drive an hour to a lake that has fishermen that go, <laughs> go in the lake. And there was a gas station by the lake by that. Yeah, it was it was a chore. So we're lucky here that we can find compost worms anywhere. That's awesome. Kristen, did you have a hand up? I did. Um, when I think about gardening, what's all the good or bad about shade houses out here? Yeah, a lot of people use shade houses just because it's so hot, because the sun is so intense. Um, it can extend the season. It can uh, kind of buffer for some of the more 
tender varieties. Um, so you can grow further into the summer. You can start earlier in the season if you have that. Or if you just have a small raised bed set up, you can always put um, a makeshift arch over each little bed and kind of use that shade cloth material. You don't have to build some big structure. Mm. You can use it just for the space that you're using. I don't have that, but in the future, if I really felt inclined, usually by the end of the season, I'm ready for my garden to shut down. <laughs> and this past summer, I was super pregnant. So I gave it up for that two months or so, and I'm just now getting back out there and putting fresh soil in the beds, planting some seeds, and our little baby is my buddy. Early in the mornings, we go outside and work in the garden. That's yeah. awesome. That is really awesome. Um, so I, I know that, uh, I know certainly that I'm not gonna do it, but um, I look forward to seeing all, <laughs> all of your gardens <laughs> and, um, and, reaping, and reaping the benefits uh, from them. No, um, I, 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 I've tried, I, 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 you know, and whatever, I kind of like throw it in and if it survives, I feel like, okay, it was meant to be. Yeah. There you go. It's um, a, like a gorilla gardening. You just throw yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. Um, Nina, what questions did I not ask you that I should have asked you? I didn't answer one of your questions about seeds. Um, online, there's a few different websites you can go to to read descriptions of different varieties. So in the beginning of every season, I spend way too much money on amazing varieties of seeds. So uh, high mowing organic seeds, Johnny's selected seeds, uh, Baker Creek heirloom seeds. There's all different companies. Florette Flower has the best flower seeds if you just want to grow cut flowers. Um, those are some different options for clicking on say zucchini and then they have maybe 10 different types of zucchini that look different, that taste different, that grow different types of bushes. Um, so you can pick kind but of- For the idiot like me, um, how do I know what's going to do okay in whatever zone we are here down in, in South Mid Florida? Yeah. For- for the winter, we can grow most of what the rest of the country grows. It's just in a different time. So you can still grow zucchini. It's just you don't plant in April or May. You plant in October here. So most likely, if you plant at the right time, that's what matters more. Um, but there are Floridian seed companies where they adapt varieties to handle our heat better. So I ordered seeds from a guy called Growing Crazy Acres. That's what the name of the business is called. And he adapts varieties to withstand our heat and drought conditions um, for when we're in the dry season. So you can just Google Floridian seed companies and some of those will come up if you really want it specific. But you don't need that necessarily. But I mean, it seems that for somebody who's starting from scratch, you might as well start with the most odds for you. And yes. if you can find something that is supposedly supposed to do well here and you do the right things with your soil conditions and you do the right things with watering. I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, I'm somewhat behind the curve because I'm not starting from scratch, but uh, you know, I would kind of like love to be able to say, I'm going to clear this area. I'm going to build a raised bed and I'm going to start it from zero and do everything right. You can do that at my house. I won't stop you. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do it. No. Not. Do it, man. I'd like to, <laughs> the, one of the other seed companies that, that I've had um, good success yeah. with is the Southern Exchange 
Southern Exposure Seed Exchange, SESE. Um, we actually carry some on our Charming Orange uh, site. And also another good Florida-based company is Florida Seed and Garden. Um, and they have some um, very different things, including like the Florida yeah. stand-up cranberry bush. So, um, and, and Seminole pumpkin yeah, and pumpkin uh, Everglades tomato seeds. There you go. <laughs> That's one that my chicken girls, they dug into those. They were sprawling on everywhere that's uh, that's actually my question are there some things that are indigenous to florida and i think that you're probably referring to some of them right now that that are particularly easy to and environmentally uh beneficial to to grow yeah there's some of those varieties the seminole pumpkin the everglades tomato the roselle the florida cranberry some of those go back to when the um native americans in florida uh were growing crops here so they've been around forever and uh if you walk through riverbend some of that history is where they had the farmable land and we're trying that so i mean in in those cases i'm sure the growing conditions were even harder because they didn't have access to go add soil from garden depot to their beautiful raised beds you know um so those are the hardiest of the hardy plants that you can grow if you like eating seminal pumpkin then you grow some pumpkin. Yeah. Um, Got no interest in that. Yeah. But if you really, truly to, to break it down the most simple, if you cut the grass out of where your garden's going to be, because weeding is the worst thing you could spend your time on, uh, cut all the grass, every single root out of the area, build a raised bed, fill it with quality soil, plant strong seeds uh, or strong transplants, and then water consistently you will get food to eat. So that's the so easy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so simple. That's and, that's awesome. And and how much is that if I don't want to do any of that and want you to come and do it for me? You you go up to Publix and you can buy produce there or Rosetta's. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. Every garden I've never done two that are the same. Every garden project's custom and. Um, individual. So on my website, thedirtacademy.com, there's a consult form um, and every design is unique and I don't have standardized pricing. I just say, okay, if lumber and soil and plants and hardware is going to be this much, um, we just go from... What kind of lumber do you use? I use cedar from Mullins Lumber uh, down south because it's naturally insect resistant. And, um, and how long does that last out here in Florida? Because, you know, nothing is, is weatherproof or permanent. When, when, am, when am I going to be rebuilding this? Nothing's permanent. I stain and seal the lumber, and that helps a lot um, to preserve it. And then in my garden, I used house wrap on the insides of the bottom board because that's the part that rots out the quickest. You don't have to do that. I don't do that a lot of the time um, if it's just a smaller, simpler project, but my garden's huge and I never want to rebuild it, ever. So um, there are things- Easy for mica. <laughs> yeah, that thing is permanent. Some people use like cinder blocks, you know, that are not going to rot at all. But to make it beautiful, I just do everything that I possibly can to make the wood last as long as possible. If you take good care of it, it's, it can last a long time. Kristen, it looks like you have your hand up again. I, I do have my hand up. Yeah. So your Dirt Academy, um, is there an age limit for that that you feel uh, it would be useful for? The reason I'm asking- She's looking to pawn off her kid on you? No, I'm looking- Is there a camp involved? 
I'm looking to learn and she's going to be um, like a lot of kids with this whole COVID thing is going to be homeschooled. So I'm looking for things to supplement her education and she's 11 years old. And I was wondering if it's something that her and I can do together with some help from Nina. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple. I kind of break it down to the most basic level and I've had kids do it before. If that helps you. I mean, okay. kids aren't going to go to home Depot and purchase all the materials themselves, but they learn. She might, she might. <laughs> she has mommy's credit card and she has Amazon. <laughs> there you go. Say Amazon, Instacart and dirt Academy. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've had kids go through it before when COVID started I um, had a lot of people messaging me randomly. And so I started talking about the course again because I had kind of let it go by the wayside because I was doing so many installations through the Dirt Academy just for one family at a time, but was getting so many questions of, you know, I walked in Publix in Jupiter Farms March 16th as soon as this whole thing started and there was no produce. Yeah. Wow, good thing my backyard is full of food because there was no food to buy. That freaked me out in one way, but also made me really excited that uh, my garden and a lot of the gardens that I had been working in all season were at peak harvest time. So that was a really good timing situation. But um, yeah, it's just a really cool lesson in food security and hard work. And I was talking to Brendan about this last night, even the value, like even if you don't eat the zucchini, the value of seeing a beautiful space in your yard that you kind of your eyes catch throughout the day if there's flowers or if there's um, beautiful plants growing really tall you see the wind you know there's that sort of mental health emotional value of having a space that you're proud of that's feeding you um, that's part of it that I don't think about often but I love we put our garden in our front yard so that we would pass it every time we came home and could see it um, throughout the day so yeah, that's that's awesome, and I and and I, I agree with that sentiment. I mean, there you know, even though I'm you know a farmer because of where I live, and I'm a farmer <laughs> because of some of the trees and stuff that I have in my yard. But you know, it's when somebody comes to visit you, and they're like, "Oh my God, there are peaches on that tree in front." I'm like, "Yeah, you want to go and get one for for breakfast today? You can do that." It's like, "Yeah, yeah, we can." So you you end up taking a little bit of it for granted, and then you're like. Oh yeah, I forgot how kind of cool it is that I have, you know, 400 pounds of mangoes coming in you know, yeah. next month. <laughs> and so many other people in the country, the rest of the country can't grow most of what we can grow. That's, yeah. that's so true. I mean, they, 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 they're like, oh, I've had a mango. I'm like, yeah, you haven't had this type of mango. They're like, oh, there are different types. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? There's literally hundreds of types of varieties. Try this coconut cream or this, you know, tropical. What? And they're like, oh my God, what a major difference. And yeah. But I used to be like that too. You, you know, you, you go to the to Publix and you get, you know, wh whatever the one variety that they, that the Tommy Atkins that they have at Publix and, and that's it. That's all you know of a mango. Mm -hmm. So much of the food uh, that you get at the grocery store are varieties that can withstand being beat up and shipping. So the pineapples that you get for $2 that come from 5,000 miles away are hard as rocks. Right. Uh, so I grow the varieties in our garden from Hawaii that you can't get in the grocery store because they're too soft. They're too sweet. They're, they would get beat up if you put them in a crate with 
hundred other pineapples. So right. that's and, and anybody who doesn't live in, in this kind of an area, they only know the Cavendish banana. And we can have, you know, so many other varieties of these little bananas. And they're like, oh my God, I've never tasted it. No, because you've been eating a clone for your entire life. So a Cavendish is going to taste like a Cavendish, which is going to taste like a Cavendish. So that's kind of like an awakening. So when you have those friends come down, they're just like, they kind of give you a new look at your place. You're like, yeah, I, I am incredibly fortunate. Yes. I believe I made a sangria one time out of your... David, is this okay to even put on the podcast anymore? No. I feel like we're... Like, it's a sangria. You know. <laughs> sangria. Um, his what did wine, you make it out of? What his lemons. Fruit? And I think I got an orange from somebody else because I don't think you had the orange. Did you have an orange? Yeah, I then, I had, then I got it all from I you. Honey ball orange. Chris. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we put a little dark good? rum into it and a cinnamon stick and some. Yeah. You put a little dark rum into it. <laughs> I'll try it. I'm, yeah. And then uh, I I'm put sure. it in some uh, <laughs> nice carafts and I strapped it into Emily's car seat and I drove it over to my friend's house, so it didn't it was safely transported. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I kind of wanted. I kind of want to do a raised do garden now. Mine. I just don't know what I'm going to I'll share with you. I feel, I, I'll share with you. I'm not, you do you. yours. You do yours. Um, we need a uh, Jupiter Farms community garden. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that. Okay. Praise hands. What's going on? Is there something? I've only been trying to do that for, you know, I don't even know how many years. Really? Really. Yes. Huh. Yes. I wonder if yes. there's. Um, we have a potential piece of land um, that's not quite ready, so okay. we're working on that. But now that you're in the area, you can do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> we have some more. We have some more resources. Cool. The piece of land has asphalt on it rest right now, so I mean it still needs to have some prep done to it. Got it. Supporting local really is just the best thing I can think of. In October, hopefully, our farmer's markets are going to open. There's a lot of amazing people growing really good food in our area. I didn't grow up knowing about any of that. Um, I ate corn dogs mostly and french fries. Can you, can you grow corn dogs? It's a very rare, rare plant. Man, if you could do, if you could do that. <laughs> you can't awesome. eat a corn dog from time to time. What are you planting right now for your fall transplants? Because you're not putting anything in the ground ground, right, direct sow right now. No, I'm doing a project coming up, a video project in October. So I'm planting a few things to see what I can get grow. I, I treat my garden, since I have enough space, as sort of an experiment sometimes. Like, let's see if we can grow beets. Let's see if we can start right. cucumber seeds. If I baby things in my garden, I can usually stretch them, you know, get them to do just good enough to reach the season. Um, but yeah, I'm doing my seed order and we'll be ordering all kinds of things. One of my favorites that I did this past year was popcorn. So it's a different type of corn that you grow on the stock, just like you grow any other type of sweet corn that you see and just let it dry on the stock. And kids love this because you peel off the dried corn like what you see at the pumpkin patch and twist it into a pan and you can pop it in really hot coconut oil or any kind of oil, high heat, and uh, you can grow popcorn. Um, so that's, it can be like blue, pink, uh, yellow, white, all different varieties of that. Um, 
but yeah, we'll be starting just every sort of thing kind of under our carport where it's partly shaded. We don't have a fancy mm -hmm. greenhouse system set up yet, but what are you starting? What's in your, um, well, I'm getting ready to start, um, the, I'm going to try to grow some broccoli this winter. So I'm getting ready to start those to do some transplants. Although I'll probably wait until the probably be middle of September yeah. because it is just so warm right now. Um, and I'm putting in some winter squash, although I'm doing some of those as, I'm doing those as direct. So because they just like to, it's, my experience is they don't like to be messed with too much. So I'd like to, I'd like to direct. So the squash as much as possible. Totally. And, but it's still early, right? For our season. It's just the end of August, beginning of September. Yeah. Don't, if, if you don't want a baby, anything don't start yet. Right. Listening. But if you're willing to kind of do that extra bit of surveillance on your garden, it's okay to experiment and just be okay that if we have another major hurricane come through, your garden will be flattened. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have some uh, fun projects coming up where I want the garden to look really beautiful pretty early in the season, earlier than I would be working on it otherwise. So it's worth it to me to start uh, just experimenting. And I've only been back in the area for a few years gardening and I'm learning that season switch. And there's a lot of people been doing it a lot longer. Jupiter Farms Gardening is a really cool Facebook page that I've learned um, a lot of tips and tricks. There are resources and people to ask um, for free in places like that, that know so much about what we're doing. Okay, well, on that note, I think we've reached the end of another Jupiter Farms Residence podcast. Remember, coming up in October on the 13th, JFR is going to have its second Zoom virtual meeting with reports and updates from PBSO, Sir Wicket, and JFEC. So watch out on our social media and newsletters for information on how to log in and join us. Also on September 17th at 7 p.m. is the Sir Wicket Annual Landowners Meeting, which will also be held virtually. So point your browsers in the directions of the Sir Wicket District Office webpage, and they'll give you more information on how to virtually attend. Also, we know it's early to start thinking about this, but JFR is currently taking orders for our annual Christmas tree sale. That's right, it's Christmas in September. This year, we are not going to be bringing in any extra trees, so please make sure you get your order into JFR before October 15th. Go to jupiterfarmsresidence.com for the link and for more information. Many thanks to Nina Shirley from the Dirt Academy for joining us uh, and sharing your wealth of information. And don't forget everybody to check out the Dirt Academy website. David, make sure that you put that in the program notes. Also, their Instagram is wonderful for great tips and ideas and beautiful photography. So there you go. It's a lot of information. Luckily, you can hit rewind and listen to it all over again. Once again, folks, Thanks for listening to the JFR podcast and be sure you hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when new episodes release and don't forget to share it with your neighbors and friends. Thanks to Someone Talk Media and to Mr. David Charles Guggenheim for his direction and engineering. And most of all, thanks to you, our audience, for streaming and listening to the Jupiter Farms podcast. So take care. We'll be speaking at you again before long from the farm. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Holy and crap. I, one take it can. It only took two seasons on the ninth episode, <laughs> but that's it. What are you doing, Jillian? Are you jogging? Are you walking? She's walking, but your background is staying the same. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. No, it's not fine. She looks like a talking heads video. That's what she looks like. Like Are you here? This has been a production of someone talked media.com.